are listening to the Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering times, please visit GoCentralChurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Ethan Crowder. It's good to see you today. If you have a Bible, go ahead and meet me in Luke chapter 11 uh, is where we will be together this morning. Luke chapter 11. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, there should be one in the pew in front of you. You can grab that uh, and you can take that with you. That's uh, our gift to you. We'll also have the verses here on the screen here uh, in just a minute. Luke chapter 11 and we're going to uh, be in verses 5 to 13 this morning. Now, I need to uh, confess something to you this morning uh, as we begin, um, and uh, so I hope that this is a safe place uh, and that uh, I can do that. But my confession is this, is that um, I'm not a perfect parent. Um, sometimes I, I mess up. Uh, I do things that um, I, uh, I, I, looking back, I probably wouldn't do them again. I've, I've only been a dad for eight years, uh, but in eight years, I've made enough mistakes uh, to write the book on how not to be a parent, right, and not what to do. And um, as I look back over these last eight years, I think about some things that I would have done differently or things I wouldn't have done at all. And there's one mistake that I made that comes back to haunt me regularly. And that mistake is this. It's teaching my kids knock-knock jokes, all right? Uh, so I, I taught my kids uh, a couple years ago uh, what a knock-knock joke was, um, and now uh, I hear those dreaded words, hey, daddy, knock-knock, right? Uh, and I start to twitch, uh, and I get nervous, I, I get sweaty, uh, because my kids, uh, they, they don't just tell corny knock-knock jokes, they tell terrible knock-knock jokes, right? They, they, they tell knock-knock jokes that make no sense. Uh, they tell knock-knock jokes that, uh, that just really aren't that funny. And uh, my boys, they think they're hilarious. And uh, uh, I, I do not. Right? Uh, and it's, it's always like we're in the car driving. I can't get away, right? Uh, I, I could jump out, but I, I don't know if that would go well. And knock-knock um, yeah, jokes, they're not my favorite. But, but when I think about that, when I think about my kids telling these corny, terrible knock-knock jokes, these knock-knock jokes that, that really I, I find highly annoying, it, it might seem strange, but, but I'm reminded of this. I'm reminded that God never gets annoyed when we knock on his door right? Uh, whenever we go to the Lord in prayer, he never says, oh, great, him again. Right? He, he, he never says, oh no, her. He, he never says, well, I've heard this one before, let me tell you how it ends. Right? Uh, God's never annoyed when we come to him. In fact, the passage that we're looking at this morning, Jesus is going to use a parable. He's going to use a story to highlight this truth. And so when we look at this passage, we see this. We see that we can confidently pray persistent prayers to our relentlessly good God. We can confidently pray persistent prayers to our relentlessly good God. So I hope that you have found Luke chapter 11. Let me invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's perfect and precious word. Uh, you know, the Bible in the Bible uh, is God speaking. And when the king speaks, the people stand, right? And so we want to honor God's word this morning. So Luke chapter 5, uh, the Spirit says to us this. And he said to them, which of you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend? Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. 
The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If, then, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is God's Word. You can be seated. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come before you today grateful that we can do just that. Grateful that we can come before you. Grateful that we can bring our needs and our prayers and our cares and our concerns to you. And so, Father, we pray that over these next few minutes that you would teach us to pray. God, we pray that you would make us as individuals, you would make us as a church persistent in our prayers. God, speak to us now. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, we're going to see a few truths about persistent prayer. And the first truth is this, is that persistent prayer is invited. Uh, Persistent prayer is invited. Prayer doesn't come easy for most of us. We could give any number of reasons on why prayer doesn't come easy. Maybe we're too busy. Maybe uh, it's too difficult. Maybe we don't know what to pray. Right? We can give any number of reasons for why prayer doesn't come easy. Yet the Bible teaches this. The Bible teaches that prayer is to be a regular part of the life of God's people. It's to be a regular part of the life of God's people, both individually, but it's also to be a regular part of the life of God's people corporately. One author says that when God's people pray together, what they're really doing is they're breathing together, right? Because prayer is, uh, gives us life and energy uh, and motivation for what comes ahead. Now, we're invited to pray persistent prayers to our good God, and we, we see this truth in this passage. So where we pick up here in Luke chapter 11, uh, Jesus has just given a summarized version of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, in fact, what Luke is doing here in Luke 11 is he's giving a, kind of a condensed version of several things that Jesus taught on in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you wanted to see an expanded version, you go to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and you could see an expanded version of what Luke talks about here in Luke chapter 11. And now he tells this parable. Now a parable, right? We're familiar with what parables are if you've spent any time around the Bible. It's a story that illustrates a spiritual truth. It's a story that's illustrating a a, a bigger, a deeper truth. And so he tells this parable and he begins with one friend interrupting the sleep of another friend. Says that that he comes at midnight looking for bread for, for weary travelers who were passing through. And now, it wasn't uncommon in the ancient world uh, for travelers to travel at night uh, because it was cooler to travel at night than it was to travel in the heat of day. So it wouldn't have been uncommon to have a knock on your door. You open your door and there are travelers who have traveled through the night and now they're there looking for a place to sleep. They were typically friends. But what would have been uncommon is to be unprepared. Uh, See, in Jesus's world, uh, there was a great price on hospitality. Right? If you weren't hospitable, uh, then there was something wrong with you. 
And you better be ready to be hospitable at all times, right? Uh, in my house, uh, if we know that someone's coming over, we start cleaning, right? We start putting things up. We don't want it to look like anyone lives in the house is really the goal, right? And so uh, when we hear that knock on the door and there's someone there, you know, all of a sudden it is from the time I can get out of the kitchen to the time I can get to the door, run the vacuum cleaner, mop the floors, hide the kids, you know, all, all of those things. But in Jesus's day, you better have been ready for visitors, which didn't necessarily mean that your house was clean and put in order, but it meant that you were ready with food, right? You were ready to give them something. And so here, what we have is we have a friend who has friends coming through, travelers, they're looking to stop. And this friend's unprepared. He doesn't have any bread. And so he goes at midnight to his neighbor and he says, friend, lend me three loaves. And then it goes back and forth, right? The friend says, go away, essentially. Right? He says, a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing except before him and he will answer him from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and I can't give you anything. But the story doesn't end there. Apparently, Jesus leads us to believe that, that these two friends, these two neighbors, they go back and forth because look at verse 8. He says, I tell you that he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. See, verse 8 ends with the friend getting bread, but he doesn't get bread because of uh, this neighbor's good heartedness, right? The, the neighbor doesn't say, oh yeah, I'll, I'll give you some bread now, right? He, he doesn't get the bread because of the, uh, he has enough money to buy it. No, he gives, he gets the bread because of his impudence, right? This, uh, this word, it's an old word where we don't really use a lot, but it, it means a lack of sensitivity to what is proper. See, for this friend to come and knock on the door, you, he is waking up the entire family. In the ancient world, there's one-room homes, right? So the mom and the dad and the kids, they all sleep together. And so when you come and you knock on a door at midnight, you run the risk of waking up the entire family. And the lock that's on the door that would run on these doors, it wasn't just a quick click, right? It took some time. It was loud. It was noisy. Now, I, I'm going to take some artistic license here. I don't think that this neighbor who's asleep, I don't think he was afraid of his kids. I think he was afraid of his wife, right? Uh, I think that he knew what was going to happen if the kids woke up, right? Uh, it, it wasn't that the kids were going to be angry. It's that his wife was going to be angry, right? And she's done all this work to get her kids down, to get her kids to go to sleep. And then you come and knock on the door. Uh, we, we've had uh, a few newborns in our house over the last several years. Uh, and without fail, from time to time, we'll finally get this baby to go to sleep. Uh, and then because we support Amazon and all that they do, uh, the Amazon delivery comes um, and he knocks as hard as he can. He rings the doorbell. He yells, right? Just trying to wake the kid up, I think, is the goal. And, and so here, what you have is you have this neighbor. He comes, he knocks on the door. He's going to run the risk of waking everyone up. But apparently he won't take no for an answer. He just keeps saying, keeps saying, you know, I've got to have the bread. I need the bread that you have. I need it because I've got these people back. You're going to make me look bad if I don't go back. And so finally, because of his lack of sensitivity to what is proper, the friend gives him the bread. Now, what we need to be careful about in this story is that we shouldn't think that God is like the neighbor that begrudgingly answers the door. 
right? It, th- this parable is a parable. It, it, it's an illustration, right? And, and the point of the illustration isn't that God is like the cranky neighbor. The point of the illustration is the man who is persistent in his petition, right? It's the man who is persistent in what he is asking. See, God's not the annoyed friend who we bother when we bring our needs to him. No, as we'll see, God is pleased with our persistence, He invites it. Our prayers, they don't crash God's party. He's never too busy. We don't offend him with our request. He's not too removed from us to care. See, he invites us to persistently bring our cares and our needs to him because he cares for us. Consider the greatness of this invitation. He doesn't just invite us to know him. He invites us to be known by him. see, prayer isn't us just throwing up requests to this God who is distant and who is removed from us. No, prayer is an invitation for us to pour our our hearts out to a God who cares and, and who knows and who wants to hear from his people. Our God isn't, he's not this God that's just too busy for us. He's not this God who doesn't care about about you and your needs and your worries and your concerns and your hurts and your pains. No, He is a God who not only cares, but He knows. He's not a God who's removed from us. The, The book of Hebrews tells us that He understands, that He's experienced everything that it means to be a human in a sinful and a fallen world with the exception of one thing that he never sinned that that he was tempted he was tempted to sin but he never sinned he was perfect and so we don't have a God who can't identify with our hurts and our needs and our pain we have a God who knows intimately what it means to hurt and what it means to be betrayed and what it means to feel pain And because of that, he invites us to bring every care, no matter how big or how small to him. See, our prayers aren't troublesome or annoying. They're welcomed. They're invited. When we come to the Father, we're not coming like a child to a dad who is busy doing something else and doesn't really have time for his son or his daughter. We're, we're not coming to a father who is just giving us lip service saying, yeah, that's okay, it, it'll all be all right. We're not coming to a father who says, just rub a little dirt on it and walk it off. We're coming to a God who, who comes to us, who has come to us, who cares for us, who, who loves us. We're coming to a God who doesn't just offer us grace for eternity. We're coming to a God who gives us grace for the moment. See, that's what what prayer is. Prayer is a regular, ordinary means of grace. See, Christianity is an experienced religion. Some people say, well, it's a relationship. It's not a religion. Well, James says that pure and undefiled religion, right, Christianity is something to be experienced. It's not something, it's not just a head experience, just kind of a knowledge experience. It's a a heart experience. And if we want to experience the grace and the wonder and the glory and the power of God, it's really 
not difficult. In fact, the way that we experience God's grace, the way that we experience God's glory day by day by day by day is what the Puritans would call the regular or the ordinary means of grace. The regular, the ordinary means of grace. We heard one last week, right? Reading your Bible, praying, gathering with God's people. See, when we read the Bible, when we pray, when we gather together as a church, we are encountering, we're experiencing the regular means of grace. We shouldn't discount that, right? We shouldn't discount the fact that whenever we come before the Father to pray, we're coming before the high King of heaven, but we're coming before the high King of heaven who knows you and who cares about you and who loves you and who wants to hear about your cares and your concerns, not just because he wants to know the latest gossip that's happening in your life, but because he is a God who works. He is a God who is active in our lives. See, our God sent his son to die on a cross in our place to secure the right for us to bring our prayers to him. We never have to wonder if God cares. If he didn't spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us, why would he not care about our prayers? God did not sacrifice his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross to forget about you and me when we need them. See, the, the question of prayer is not, it is never, will God hear me? The question of prayer is always, will I pray? The question is never, does God love me? The question is, do I trust the God that I say I believe? See, when we pray, what we're saying is, God, I trust you with my eternity, but I also trust you with the moment, right? I also trust you with right now. I, I also trust you with what's happening in my life because you are the only one that I can trust. We, we're so tempted, right, to take our cares and our concerns to everywhere else. And then our last resort is the God who created heaven and earth. You know, I, I think about, Pickle jars, all right? Just go, go with me here. So uh, I, I love, I, I shouldn't say I love, I like pickles, right? Uh, and, uh, but whenever I was young, I, I couldn't get the pickle jar off, right? I, I couldn't get it open. And I would get on it, I would turn, you know, try, to, try to get it off. And when I couldn't get the lid off of the pickle jar, I, I didn't go around to my sister who was a little older and asked her if she could get it. I, I, I didn't take it outside and try to beat it or anything like that. You know what I did when I couldn't get the lid off of the pickle jar? I took it to my dad because I knew that no matter what, my dad could handle it. See, so often in life, we're trying to get that lid off. And rather than taking it to our father who can handle whatever it may be, we take it out to the shed and get the hammer and try to beat it, right? And what happens when we do that? We mess it up. Right? We break it. When we, when you, when I try to handle things in our own strength and in our own power and in our own ways, we mess things up. But when we take it to the Father, He can always handle it. God never messes anything up. He never fails. He never struggles. And because of that, He invites us to pray persistent prayers. 
Because of that, we can confidently pray to a good God who hears and cares and knows. See, we see in this passage that persistent prayer is invited. Next, we see this, that persistent prayer is effective. It's not an accident or unimportant that God invites us to pray persistently. In his providence, that is how he has decided to work. God has decided, he's decreed, he's determined that the way he is going to work in the lives of his people and through the lives of his people is through regular, persistent prayer. We can confidently pray persistent prayers for our good God because he hears them and he cares. Look at verse 9. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Verse 10, for everyone who asks receives, and one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. See, persistent prayer is God's design. Now, persistent prayer, understand this, but persistent prayer is not us begging God to do what he doesn't want to do. See, sometimes I think that we, we maybe we think about prayer is prayer is us trying to change God's mind. It's us begging God to do what he doesn't really want to do. But that's not what persistent prayer is. Persistent prayer is us petitioning God to act according to his wisdom and his grace. Warren Wearsby says this. He says, when God's people pray, God's reputation is at stake. The way he cares for his children is a witness to the world that he can be trusted. See, in verse 9, Jesus commands us to pray persistently. He says, knock, seek, ask. He gives us these these three imperatives, right? These three things to do, to ask, to seek, to knock. Now, if you were to look at this uh, in the original language and and you were a grammar nerd, which I'm not, so I'm grateful for people who are, uh, you you would see that these uh, these are perfect imperatives. So what it means that it's a perfect imperative is it means that it's an action that you keep doing. So we can think about it like this. That we are to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. So keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep knocking and it will be opened. In other words, Jesus is commanding us to pray persistently. Now this persistence, it's not mindless repetition. So so it's not us just offering up over and over and over again these mindless thoughts like, Lord, be with Aunt Susie and Uncle Joe, keep them safe. And then tomorrow, Lord, Lord, be with them. You know, I pray to them, be be, be with them again today. Uh, Lord, do do this, do that. It's not just this mindless repetition. Persistent prayer It's not asking the same things over and over again. That's vain repetition and empty phrases that Jesus warned against in Matthew chapter six. Instead, persistent prayer is intentionally praying seriously for the needs and the cares of your heart. To ask, to seek, and to knock, it's not something that you do mindlessly. There's an urgency. Consider what it means to seek for something. It's intentional, it's urgent. See, what Jesus is inviting us to hear, it's not just uninterested ritualistic prayers. So when you think about seeking, Jesus isn't talking about seeking the way that you might look for that one lost sock, right? We, we all have those socks that go missing, that we can't find, but it's not looking for the sock. It's looking for your wallet after a day of shopping and you get home and you can't find it. 
right? It, it, it's looking for your car keys when you have an appointment in 15 minutes and it's gonna take you 20 minutes to drive there, but you don't know where you left your keys, right? Or in my case, you don't know where your kids hid your keys, right? And so you start seeking, looking, there's an urgency there, right? We, we're not gonna stop until we find it. We're not gonna stop until we get what we're looking for. That's what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus isn't calling us to a prayer that's just kind of uninterested. He's not calling us to a prayer that's just kind of half-hearted. No, Jesus is calling us to an interested, urgent, serious prayer. And these are prayers that if you've lived any length of time at all, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? These are the prayers that are, God, I don't know what to do, but I need you to act. I don't know what to do, but I need you to fix this. I don't know what to do, but God, I need you. That's a persistent prayer. A persistent prayer is not, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, right? That, that's not a persistent prayer. A persistent prayer is, God, I need you. I need you to do this. God, I need you to save my kids. I, I need you to work in a way that, that, that only you can do. God, I, I can't do it, but you can. That is what it means to pray a persistent prayer. Now, in verse 10, we've got these promises that are tied to the commands of verse 9. So everyone who prays persistently will receive, will find, the door will be open. That is a promise. For everyone who asks, receives. Notice Jesus doesn't say, for most people. He says, for everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be open. This means that God hears our prayers. In fact, take it a little bit further. God doesn't just hear your prayer. He listens. You, you know, have you ever had that experience where maybe you hear what someone is saying, but you're not listening to what they say, right? Sometimes I might hear what my wife and my kids are saying, but I might not listen, right? I, I might need them to repeat themselves. I might need them to say it again. God never needs us to say it again. Right? He's always listening. But what he's doing is he's inviting us to pray persistent prayers. He's inviting us to lay out what is most important, what is most serious on our hearts before him. I don't know that there could be anything more encouraging than that. That truth that God listens, that should drive us to prayer. See, persistent prayer forces us to pray with faith, trusting that God hears, God listens, and God is working even when we can't see it. We, we can take that to the bank. That God is always working. God is always active. God is always doing something in your life. But too often our prayers turn into immediate requests that we want fulfilled now or we will be angry. All right, too, too often we pray, God, I want you to heal my mom, I want you to heal my husband. I want you to heal this. And then when it doesn't happen on our timetable, right, God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forgotten me? God has never abandoned you. God has never forgotten you. See, that's not what prayer is to be. Prayer is a faith-filled request. When we fail to pray with faith, we are no longer praying Christian prayers. One of the reformers put it like this. He said, prayer unaccompanied by faith is an idle and unmeaning ceremony. 
I think we could say it like this, that prayer unaccompanied by faith is blasphemy. Because when we pray without faith, we are praying something in a way that is not true about God. When we pray without faith, we're offering up words, but we're saying, God, I don't really think you can do it. And that is a dangerous place to be. See, persistent prayer isn't busy work. God hasn't called us to pray persistent prayers just because you and I need something else to do or because he needs something else to listen to. See, in persistent prayer, God isn't only working on what we're praying for, but he's also working on the one who is praying. See, see maybe, maybe your prayer life, maybe my prayer life is less about what we want God to do and more about what God wants to do in us. But maybe when you pray, the way that you pray, maybe it's more about God molding you into the image of Jesus than it is about you molding God into the image of you. See, when we pray, we're not trying to align God's heart with ours, right? You've heard this said before, this is often said, when we pray, it's us aligning our hearts with His, See, persistent prayer, it's invited, it is effective. Uh, finally, we see this, that persistent prayer is answered. Persistent prayers get answered. Uh, I thought about this this week, and there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. You know, the theologian Garth Brooks, he, he once sang a song, <laughs> some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. That answer may be yes, that answer may be no, that answer may be wait, but there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. Right? God never leads you, leaves you on hold. Prayers get answered. We might not understand it, we might not get it, but he always answers. This is why we can confidently pray persistent prayers to our relentlessly good God. Look at verses 11 and 12. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Now, this is a rhetorical question, right? The answer to the question is obvious. No father would give them a snake or a scorpion. I, I cert, I'm, I'm terrified of snakes. I'm afraid of big snakes, little snakes, and sticks that look like snakes, right? Like, I, I don't do snakes. And in the ancient world, Fish and eggs, that, that was a, a common food, right? That, that was a staple. And, and serpents and scorpions, they were common hazards. Now in verse 13, what's happening is Jesus is moving from the lesser to the greater. Look at verse 13. He says, if you then who are evil. Now, I looked up the word evil to see what it means here. Like maybe it doesn't really mean what we think we hear evil. Uh, it, it means uh, socially, morally, and ethically worthless. Right? Uh, so if you then who are evil, which is us, we're all sinners. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if we who are imperfect, if we who are annoyed when our kids do knock-knock jokes, if we know how to give good gifts, how much more will our heavenly father who is perfect, who never gets annoyed, how much more 
Would he delight to give us the Holy Spirit? Now, the Holy Spirit kind of jumps out here and we could dig in here. But what he's doing here is he's making a connection back to the Lord's prayer that he had given in verses one to six. Right, that hey, your will be done, right? He, it's a spiritual prayer, right? He's praying for a spiritual gift is, is what's happening uh, in that passage. Now, a question is going to arise here. And if you're like me, this question has been on your mind since we started looking at this passage. Well, then if God answers persistent prayers, if the one who seeks finds, the one who asks, receives, the one who knocks the doors open, well, then why hasn't God answered my prayer the way that I want him to? If you're like me, that, that, that question's on your mind. What about the thing I've prayed persistently for, but God hasn't given to me? And maybe it's a good thing. I've been praying that, that God would save a family member. I, I've been praying that he would do this. I, I've been praying that he would do that. I would love to tell you why God answers prayers the way that he does. But here's the thing. I'm not God and neither are you. So I can't give that answer. And to be completely honest with you, I don't deserve that answer. Psalms tell us, what is man that you're mindful of him? But when we think about unanswered prayers, I think there are a few things from this passage that we need to keep on our mind that we need to remember as we think about these prayers that haven't been answered either in the way that we want them to be or in the time that we want them to be. So the, the first is this, is we've got to trust God's character. See, God isn't just good and loving to us sometimes. He is good all the time. We've got to believe that, right? From time to time, you'll hear us say, God is good and all the time, do we believe that? Do we believe that? Or are we just reciting that in vain repetition? Millard Erickson, he's a, uh, he's a theologian, author. He read this. He said, God's provision is always wise and it's always kind. That leads us to the next thing to remember. We need to remember that God delights to give his children fish and eggs, but how often do we unintentionally ask for snakes and scorpions? How often are the things that we're asking for, the things that we're pleading for, the things that we think would make us happy, the things that we think we need are really the very things that would destroy our souls? Maybe it's a a career change, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's some other thing that in your mind you think is a blessing. But maybe, maybe just maybe that if God gave you that thing, that thing would be bad for you. Or if God gave you that thing right now, that thing right now would be bad for you. You need to wait. Right? Delayed gratification. Right? That, that maybe it, it's not bad for you forever, but maybe it's bad for you right now. We need to be careful thinking that we are wiser than the God who created the universe, right? We need to be careful thinking that we know better that if God would just consult us, then everything would be okay. Then everything would be fine. Brothers and sisters, God doesn't need to consult me or you, right? He, he doesn't need to read the, the best book on this or that. He wrote the book, right? He created the sun and the moon and the stars. It's kind of like the book of Job. If you've ever read the book of Job, Job starts 
all of these questions to God. And you know what God's answer is? Where were you when I flung the moon into the sky? Where were you when I hung the stars? And then my favorite line in the book of Job is, put up on your pants like a man and come stand before me, right? God says, I'm not afraid of your questions, right? We, we need to understand that, that God is not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your anger. God can handle it. And we need to be careful thinking that we're asking for fish and eggs when really we've asked for snakes and scorpions. And then finally, we've got to be okay with mystery. There are certain prayers that this side of heaven, we will never understand why God has chosen to answer them the way that he has. But here's the thing. Here's the promise. One day in eternity, we'll be around the throne. We'll look back and we might not understand completely why God chose to work the way that he did, but we'll be grateful that he did. Amen. See, one day, it'll all make sense. One day, our faith will become sight and we'll get that God knew exactly what he was doing, even when I didn't think he did. In 1886, missionary Hudson Taylor, he set out to take the gospel to 11 Chinese provinces that had never heard the gospel. And as he was about to leave with his wife and his young kids, there were people who were concerned for his safety. There were people who were concerned that you're going to take your wife and your kids into the unknown, into a situation where you don't know what's going to happen. And this was his response. He writes this in a letter. He says, I'm taking my children with me, and I notice that it is not difficult for me to remember that the little ones need breakfast in the morning, dinner at midday, and something before they go to bed at night. Indeed, I could not forget it. And I find it impossible to suppose that our Heavenly Father is less tender or mindful than I. If I can remember to feed my kids and to clothe my kids, I think that God can remember to take care of us. Right? If His eye is on the sparrow, then His eye is watching me. Right? God doesn't forget to answer your prayers. God is always answering prayers. In fact, that's what God does. So we can confidently pray persistent prayers to our relentlessly good God. Our persistent prayers are invited, they're effective, they're answered. So how do you pray like this? How do you pray persistent prayers? I think it's in God's, just His providence that I'm preaching this message on this topic today. Um, this weekend, uh, Anna's grandfather, he, uh, he passed away. Um, and uh, there are a lot of great things I could say about Papa is what we called him. Um, but if you knew him, there were two things that immediately stood out. Uh, that he was a soul winner. He would share the gospel with a tree. Uh, and he was a prayer warrior. And when I say he was a prayer warrior, I, I, I don't mean that he was someone who would just say, Lord, you know, be with Ethan and the starving pygmies in New Guinea or something like that, right? No, he was on his knees every day calling out to the father for his kids and his grandkids and his great grandkids and praying for the lost. And so I was driving home last night. I had left Anna with her family and I was driving home and I was just thinking, man, I want to pray like Papa. I want to have a prayer life like his. How do I do it? And so uh, this morning I woke up early and, and I was just trying to think all right, some things that he was praying about. And 
So this is a simple, easy list, but if you want to have a persistent prayer life, if you want to begin praying persistent prayers, well, then you begin by praying for those things that are most near to your heart and most near to God's heart. And so I, I, I just, three, kind of three categories. Three things to pray for persistently. First, your family. Pray that God would save them. Pray that he would use them. Pray that he would sanctify them. Pray for their safety and their provision and for all of those things. Next, pray for your church. That was one one of the things about Papa's name was Jerry. Uh, One of the things about about him is that he was a churchman. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't anything, but he was committed to his church. And so he was constantly praying for his church, praying for the ministries of his church. And so uh, pray for your family, but pray for your church. One of the ways we want to help you do that is we have these prayer points. These are brand new prayer points for this month. These were just put out uh, today. Uh, And so they're on the table as you leave. So you can grab these uh, and pray persistently for these things. I keep mine in my Bible where I do my quiet time. And each day I pull mine out and I pray for these things. And here's the thing. It's not just me praying persistently, but it's us praying persistently, right? It's, It's our church aiming our arrows towards heaven and praying that God would work in our church, right? I've got to believe that when the church comes together in prayer and agrees on these things that God is going to work and pray for your family pray for your church and then pray for your neighbors and the nations pray for the lost around you pray for the nations that need to hear the good news of the gospel there's a book you can buy called operation world there's a website called the Joshua Project. You can go to those websites. You can, each day, there's a, a new people group to be praying for. And they work through all the people groups in the world. And so praying for your neighbors, the lost around you, your coworkers, but also praying for the nations. Now, what about when you can't pray persistently? What about when you want to, but the pain is too great or the words just won't come? Or you might say, Ethan, I want to pray persistently, but it hurts. I've been praying for so long, I don't know that I can pray anymore. I don't know that I can do this any longer. But be encouraged that the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are interceding for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, if if that's you, if you say, Ethan, I I don't know how to pray anymore, I I want you to write this down, and and I want you to to memorize it, put it somewhere where you can see it regularly. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Here's the truth. The Holy Spirit of God is before the throne of God right now praying for you by name, right? Not for those people, but for you with groanings that are too deep for words. We think about Jesus, Hebrews chapter seven, verse 25. Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus Christ is interceding for you right now. Now here's the thing, Hebrews chapter seven, consequently he's able to save to the uttermost. See, it doesn't matter if God answers your prayers if you've never cried out to him to save you. See, it doesn't matter if God makes your life easy now and comfortable now, if your eternity is spent separated from him and eternal punishment. We have a good God who has offered us salvation through Jesus Christ. Jesus has died so that you can live. Jesus has died so that you can have forgiveness. And so we wanna invite you to trust Jesus today. We wanna invite you to to call out to him, to pray, Lord, I need you to save me because I can't do it on my own. 
I need the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus. And we want to help you do that. So you can send a text, 407-338-4024. There's someone there who is ready to talk to you. Or if you say, hey, no, I need to talk to someone face-to-face. I need to talk to them right now. Well, as you leave, you can get up and go right now if you want. You can go right out those doors, hang right. We've got a next steps room. It, you'll, you'll see people out there with name tags on you. you you'll see people who you just look for someone who looks like they know what they're doing, right? Uh, and they will get you uh, to where you need to be, to someone that you can talk with about throwing yourself on the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful that we can pray to you. God, we're grateful that we can bring persistent prayers to you and that you are a good God and that you answer our prayers. And God, we want to see you work. We want to see you move. We want to see you active in our lives and in our church. And so, Father, I pray that you would answer the prayers that we've been praying, both individually and together, God, that you would say yes for that that son or that daughter, that mother, that father, that loved one that is lost, that needs to be saved. God, I pray that you would save them. For that that person that needs to be healed, that that person that needs to be made whole, whether it be physically or emotionally, God, I pray that you would do that. And you know the prayers of every person in this room. And God, I pray that they would see you move. They would see you work. And God, I pray that none of us would grow weary in well-doing. That none of us would grow weary in praying persistent prayers. God, encourage us this morning to keep praying, to keep seeking, to keep asking, to keep knocking, because you're a good God and you answer. You delight to give your people what we ask for. And so, Father, I pray that you would work. It's in Jesus' name. Thank you again for listening to the Central Church Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at gocentralchurch.org.